0: Oh, good morning, or is it afternoon yet? No, it's still morning. Good morning, friends. How are y'all? Good,
1: good. morning. Good.
0: good. Uh, before I get started, just talking about me, uh, can, can I just open this up in a word of prayer before we begin? All right, let's pray. Uh, <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this wonderful, beautiful day. where you are sovereign. You are faithful. And you are good. And before we ask a single request from you, Lord, uh, Lord, we recognize and uh, acknowledge your sovereignty and your rule, Lord, you are king over all things. You are a healer, you are comforter, you are a provider. Uh, Lord, you guide, you lead, you sustain, you protect. And Lord, ultimately, Lord, you love us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this luncheon. I thank you for the opportunity for me to speak, uh, Lord, and to share a little bit of my story. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here, Lord, and those that couldn't make it, Lord, we pray for them. Lord, I thank you for just opportunities like this where we can live intergenerationally, Lord, as uh, those that have uh, been seasoned and been a part of the church for for many years, Lord, through faithful service, uh, continue to inspire men like me and others that are new to a ministry, Lord, or uh, continuing their story in ministry. Lord, it's because of the people in this room, uh, Lord, that legacy has continued to press forward. It's because of the people in this room that the stories of faithfulness are continued to be passed down lord it's because of people in this room or that we can continue to advance the gospel lord i pray uh for them we thank you for this day be with us and guide us and lead us uh and lord we just thank you for this time in jesus name we pray god should have said amen all right uh yeah so yeah so, so for those of you again uh my name is alex L'Oreal. i don't have a middle name uh, my parents did not give me a middle name. I don't know why. I, I have to assume it was too expensive to add a middle name to my name. <laughs> it's too expensive, too expensive. But uh, yeah, so uh, my mother and father is Alejandro and Olga Solorio, uh from Houston, Texas. But uh, their story is, is far longer than that. Uh, uh, my mother grew up in Pearland, Texas. She was a farm, farm girl. Uh, and our roots, my mom's side, go down to the valley. Uh, all the way down to Harlingen, uh, Brownsville. Uh, my grandfather was a part of a, a, a farming family, but my grandfather was also a Tejano artist. So if you know Tejano music here in Texas, uh, my grandfather's a part of the Tejano Hall of Fame here in the state of Texas. That's where I get my, 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 my desire to dance and all these things, like <laughs> just my passion in general. I think it comes from that side of the family for sure. Uh, my father immigrated to this country uh, he was born in Michoacan, Mexico, which is on the Sinaloa side of Mexico, which uh, that's the side you don't want a vacation to. <laughs> you want a vacation to the other side where Cancun and all that is. Um, my, my father was one of the first three. He was the youngest of the first three. Then there became more children after that. Um, my, and this is part of the story of my story is that uh, my father, uh, his father, so my grandfather, was uh, a wanted man in Michoacan, Mexico. He was not uh, very. Uh, he was just a bad man, and he died. Uh, as my my grandfather was a um, did not participate in things that were good, and also uh, was involved in, in crime and things like that. He died when my dad was four years old, and my dad has a startling resemblance to my grandfather, and so my dad had to grow up uh, with just my grandma. Uh, at the age of four, he didn't have a father, and so. Uh, his story goes from Michoacan to Guadalajara, uh, and just growing up didn't wasn't able to go to school because in Mexico you can't you can't just go to school and not make money because you have to make money, and so you have the option you can either go to school and you have to pay for that or you have to go to work, and so my dad chose to work. My dad would sell little candies on the side, and then he would he moved on to. Uh, to selling bread where he would there, i don't know if you know that the sombreros that are super huge in mexico they would fill them with with pan dulce and sweet bread and he would go around selling sweet bread and eventually as he got older uh he would sell ice by the block and so he would cut the ice my dad worked extremely hard to get to this country uh and he got here um crossed the border did everything right paid his taxes and thanks be to god there was a moment in ronald reagan's uh uh his, his presidency where you were allowed to sign up if you really wanted to be a citizen and my dad proudly took his test proudly went through the process and my, my dad would tell you he's a very much a very a proud american citizen he loves his country and uh that's this is where he met mama and so uh my mom and my dad met on the dance floor and so uh and so as the as we grew up uh they desired that they Got a house in Southwest Houston, which is where I grew up. So all of our family stayed in Pearland. My dad's side of family was a little scattered, but we grew up. I grew up in Southwest Houston, and that's where the house was. And so uh, in Southwest Houston, uh, my sister was born first, Sonia Soloria. Uh She is. Uh, she was born first, so she's the oldest. A year later, I was born in 1990, um, and then five years later, my little brother was born in uh, uh, 1995. Eric's lawyer, uh, and what's interesting is that we were born culturally into Catholicism, right? In Hispanic culture, a lot of times you, you can become a cultural Catholic, where right? you're just born into it, and that's just what you do. Um, and part of our story was being Catholic for a long time. Uh, so I had known, and I had already felt in my heart that there was a God, but for some reason, as part of my story, I just didn't think He loved me. Uh, now let me also add this to you: I want to honor my father and my mother. Uh, They are born-again Christians. They live a life serving and loving the Lord. Uh, They're still in the same house as Southwest Houston. Uh, But as I share the story of brokenness, you can actually see how God has redeemed things. Uh, You see, because my parents went through things like most married couples do. And so there was a time where after we were Catholic, there there was a a period of time where we didn't go to church at all. And I didn't know this because I was a kid. And I think that's probably the responsibility a lot of times with parents not to show your kids, the things that you're struggling and wrestling with, we just didn't know any better. We were just kids. And so uh, somebody had told my dad in the midst of this chaos of us not going to church, them hurting, uh, somebody preached to my dad and said, you know, you need to find a church that talks about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the man gave a gospel presentation to my dad. And my dad said, I've never heard Jesus presented like this. I've never heard faith presented like this. I need this for my family. And so, uh, during that time, and I was still in elementary school, and I can remember clearly that we stopped going to the Catholic church, we had that period where we didn't go to church at all, and we ended up going to this other church, and lo and behold, I didn't find out till later that it's a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, and it was, oh, yes, God, like very much upbeat, tambourines and everything, and that's really where I got my passion, if I'm being really honest with you, you ever hear me preach, and you hear me getting excited, was like, well, there's a Pentecostal in him right there, that's right, so... And and because of, and I'm very grateful for that, but I will never forget, and this is part of my story, right? I'll never forget seeing my mom and my dad uh, get baptized. They gave their life to Jesus and I watched my mom and my dad get baptized. And in particular for me, because I was the first son, my, my father was pretty hard on me because that's just how it is in our family. Like in most Hispanic families, you're harder on the first son. And I'll never forget seeing my mom and dad get baptized. And normally we would sit there and say, and this is a joyous day, this is a day to rejoice. But it was honestly the day that I was the most upset, because I sat there and I looked at that man and I was like, I know who that is. I, I know who that is, there's no way that that man has changed, there's no way that that man is different because of the things that was involved when I grew up. But I slowly started to see that this man was different. Matter of fact, because my, there was a distance between our group, my, my, my sister and my brother, and my sister and I, and my little brother, my brother grew up in a season where my parents were believers, so he grew up completely different than we did. And so as a kid, of course, you get frustrated about that, that I, I was getting reprimanded and I was told to do things that my little brother wasn't being told to do. But I just sit back and honestly say I give thanks to God for moments like that. I give thanks to God that my brother grew up in a household that my mom and my dad were faithful believers, and that my little brother didn't have to experience things like that. But when you're a kid, you don't think that way. And so uh, it was just a frustrating moment. And so when I got to middle school, uh, I was still having a hard time. Now, as you can clearly see, uh, my sister was a cross country runner. So she was very, very skinny. She ran cross country, boom, she was gone. Uh, and my little brother's also, small; he's smaller as well. He was a great runner as well. And so then you have me, right? <laughs> uh, the Lord, that's not my ministry, cross country, right? That's not running track, running cross country, all those things. That's just not my thing. I, I'm a football player, right? Well, at the time, I didn't know any better. I was just a bigger kid. And so because of that, I wrestled with a lot of, of fearful of, of being left out. I was left out a lot of times. I was poked fun up uh, during grade school. And so even to the point where in elementary school and middle school, I would actually give up my milk or my juice or whatever, like, treat you had on your your lunch tray and be like, can you please not make fun of me today? I was... I was Begging people, like please don't, please leave me alone, don't don't make fun of me. And so when we got to the Pentecostal church, because of my bitterness of like I don't believe this is real, I, like, I know that there's a God, He just doesn't love me and all these things. Um, even it's what's hard is that like kids are tough, kids kids don't know what they're doing, and I would get made fun of then too. And it wasn't until my sixth grade year that I I by fifth grade I was already thinking about not wanting to be here anymore, and by sixth grade I made an attempt to. Take my own life, and uh, I I thought I made this master plan, and I wrote three letters, one to my my mom, and my dad, one to my brother, and one to my sister, and I waited for a day where nobody was home, and I just was being made fun of that week. But what was interesting was that week leading up to that day was I had a teacher, and the teacher saw that I was going through a hard time, knew that I was troubled and all these things, and for some reason, a public school teacher, which She wasn't supposed to do this, but a public school teacher stops me and says, hey, I know you're having a tough time. I just need you to know that Jesus loves you, like, he loves you, and you're not alone in this, and I'm looking at her like, if I don't feel loved at home, and if I don't feel loved at this church that I'm getting made fun of too, like, what makes you think I'm going to listen to you in the place I get made fun of the most, which is at school? What makes you think I'm going to believe you? So I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. And I, I went on my way. And so that Friday, that, that, that afternoon, uh, I'll never forget, got under my bed and I thought I made this master plan. And in the midst of me uh, attempting, like for some reason, my mind was flooded with the thought of Jesus. And I was so mad. I was so mad because my question was, where were you? Where were you when my parents were unbelievers and I was being treated the way I was being treated or talked to Where were you when I was being made fun of at school? Where were you at this church when, you know, I'm supposed to feel like, I'm supposed to be feeling loved and these kids picked on me just as all the other kids picked on me. Where were you? And now is the time that you decide to flood my mind? Now is the time you decide to make me feel loved? And I said like every cuss word that I knew which was like four cuss words at the time. I had none. <laughs> But I, and I didn't know who I was talking to. And I think that's the beauty is that we don't know who we're talking to. And to this day, I think all of us in this room still don't know fully who we're talking to. This is the God of the universe, creator, sustainer of everything. Do you see the stars in the sky? He knows them by name. And I had no idea who I was talking to. And so me and my, my, my middle school self was like, you know what? I'm going to make a deal with you. Like, if in one year, if you, I'm going to give you one year to change my life. And if you don't change my life, I'm going to be right back in the spot, and I'm going to finish the job. Isn't it interesting, the prayers of children? Christ called us to have childlike faith. And I didn't know this guy like that. I knew he just I just didn't think he loved me. I didn't think I was living up to my parents' potential. I knew that I had friends that didn't love me because they would make fun of me. And sometimes they're my friend one time, but in other instances they're in front of me. And here I am pleading to God, I'm gonna give you one year to change my life. Cause I was at the end of my rope. And like, I can't imagine what God thought at that time. But I got into seventh grade. My seventh grade year went into it. And I didn't know what my purpose was for me being big, but that was the year I found out. You see, we, we didn't have the money to play peewee football. We didn't have the money to play a Little League. I didn't have the money to go play soccer. We didn't have money to go to YMCA. So when I got into seventh grade, it was the first time I could ever play a team sport. And I'll never forget, it was the first time I went out to go play football. And they have an A team, then they have a B team, and then they have a C team. But, so the A team are players that have been playing for a long time, they know what they're doing. B team is like semi, semi they don't know what they're doing, but, but they're, they're out there. And the C team is like, these people don't know anything. And that was me. I had no idea how to play football. Uh, I would get confused all the time, but I'll tell you this, that year, uh, our C-team our, our was the best C-team in the district, so we won the district championship of C-teamers. It was like, we're the best, worst team out there. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I, I'll never forget that season, because that was the first season that uh, someone had invited me to FCA, social Christian Athletes, and I went there once because they offered free pizza. I was like, sure. <laughs> But uh, and it sparked my curiosity, and I made friends finally because I I had a purpose. I could play football, and so uh, seventh, uh, eighth grade year now seventh grade now going to eighth grade. I was like, all right, boy, you're doing something. I've got some friends now. I'm gonna, let, let's see let's see where this takes us. And then eighth grade year happens. I go from C team to B team. Right, boys leveling up, getting better. Right, I'm enjoying my my time. And because now I'm having more friends, I'm able to like know what it means to be compassionate to others. Uh, I had tried to be a bully because I was always bullied all the time, and now that I was getting bigger, uh, I tried to be like to bully those that were bullying me. It was a bad taste in my mouth, and I never ever did it again. Uh, and because I'm a kid, I didn't know what I was doing. And so that eighth that eighth grade year, I enjoyed football. I started making more friends. So then ninth grade year happened my freshman year in high school and remember i was a c teamer in seventh grade i was a b teamer in eighth grade and now i'm in ninth grade can you guess what team i was in i was on a team yeah i was on a team every year that i played i got better and better and better and it was it was uh this moment where i really took a step back and i was like man lord you're doing something that like, and mind you, I'm a child, right? I'm thinking like a child, right? Uh, in, in the eyes of faith, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid and I'm seeing God bless me with relationships, bless me with friendships. And I'm actually starting to pay attention at church. Now I'm attending fellowship Christian athletes with my office line coach and starting to think like, man, this is, this is getting, this is great. Right. And so uh, ninth grade year in the spring season, uh, in Texas, you can't play varsity as a freshman, but in the spring you can join the varsity team. And as a freshman on my spring season i joined varsity i like surpassed all my peers that were during my time to the point where some of them were mad because they remembered me as a ct player they remembered me as a ct player in seventh grade and now i've surpassed them all because my father instilled in me and my mother instilled in me that like we we put our hands to work nobody's going to hand you out anything like you're going to grind for whatever you desire to get and so that was my desire, is that I wanted education because my dad reminded me that he couldn't get education. I wanted to work hard because my dad and my mom reminded me how hard those worked before me and to realize that I have an opportunity now to get in my education and maybe something else. So it was in high school that I actually became an extrovert. All this time in middle school and elementary school and leading up into high school, I was introverted. I didn't wanna be around people. I didn't really like public speaking. I, don't, I didn't like talking a whole lot. I was to myself because I felt depressed all the time. I had this I had this feeling in my heart. It wasn't until high school that I actually started saying hi to the lunch lady, which praise the Lord, they blessed me, praise God. <laughs> lunch, lunch ladies love me, lunch ladies love me. I know they do, praise God. Yeah, you know, I started saying hi to the people that worked at our church, or at the school. I, I made friends, and in my high school career, it really blossomed. I made friends with band people, I made friends with orchestra people. I was in theater. Uh, I threw the shot and disc. I even played soccer for two seasons. Uh, I was just trying, I, like at this point, I was just like, man, I just wanna be friends with everybody. I wanna try all these things. I was in chess club and all these things. I was realizing all the opportunities that were offered to me and I didn't pass them up. I wanted to work hard on those things. And eventually to the point where when I when I was in class, I actually didn't even take AP classes because I didn't wanna <laughs> work too hard there, right? <laughs> so I would sleep in class, in a regular class and I, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd do my thing and Come take a B, get a B on the test and be like, that's good enough for me, you know, I'm good. And I'll just move on. And then was time my senior year that they made me start saying like, no, you need to take AP classes. Get out of my classroom. I was like, okay, great. And so I, I would do that. And so I knew in my heart that because of the past that I've had and my, my parents' uh, lineage of, of how hard they work and where they came from, and that I knew the sacrifices that they made for me to go to school, uh, uh, and I knew that I had a little brother that was looking up and that was coming up behind me. I was walking along with my sister. We were encouraging each other. I knew that I wanted to go to college. And that was a big thing. And so my senior year, I really thought that I had a shot to, to play football. I got invited to UT training camp. I got invited to the Rice training camp. I got a handwritten letter from the head coach from Midwestern State. But I was in this bracket where I was too rich to be poor and too poor to be rich. So financial aid couldn't help me at all and uh, i just made the decision i was like there's football is fun and i enjoyed it but football's not going to take me where i need to go i need to get my smarts up i need to get my education up right and so i decided i wanted to pursue my education so i knew that i wanted to become going to medicine so made my decision to go into biochemistry uh and i loved it i started out one kind of junior college took my basics came out of one County junior college one of the top five students in the biochemistry program that they had there right into the Houston Baptist University and it was during that time at Warren County Junior College that I did have my prodigal son normal. I experienced things in this in this life that to my shame I give thanks to God's grace that he pulled me out of those things and sadly it took a friend uh, losing his life for me to get this initial shock of uh this is real life and and uh, I can no longer participate in the things that my friends were doing um, and so Uh, When I got to Houston Baptist University, I saw it as a fresh start and a new chance to get out of Southwest Houston uh, into an on-campus presence. So that's exactly what I did. Did Houston Baptist University? Enjoyed it a ton. Uh, I was involved in a fraternity. I was in Phi Kappa Psi. I did residence life. Uh, Eventually, to the point at the end of my undergrad, they started a football team. And by this time, I was already four years removed from football. I just wanted to be a chaplain. Uh, But then the coach said, there's nobody to chaplain if there's no players on the team. And so we were players on the team. I was like, fine, coach. Like, I'll play if I can get some money, uh, like scholarship money and stuff. And he was like, sure. As long as you beat out these young guys that are coming out of high school. I was like, sounds good. And so that's exactly what I did. (laughs) And so my senior year, I played football once again. I put on the pads where I thought I was at peace with leaving football. And it came back into my life. And I'm very, very grateful for that. To play college ball, um, but it was in that senior year that God made it. God made a change. See, I had a good GPA, and I was already I had already aced organic chemistry, or I got nah, at least B plus for sure. Uh, I did organic, I did cell molecular biology, I did I did all these things. I even took Latin. Uh, I was on my track already, applying to PA schools uh, and wanting to see what life would like in the science program uh but the thing was that at this time i had already done one ministry and it was called the hb rec team the hb rec team would go around to camp to camp to camp all summer long and do a recreation with kids and tell them about the gospel of jesus christ it was the most fun i had ever had and i was at these moments i did it for two years and it was during those moments where my professors were asking are you sure you're not called to ministry and i was like ah oh, of course not i just took organic chemistry of course not. I just took in cell and sell and mole. Of course not. I'm I'm doing all these things and I did all these labs and it's my senior year. Of course I'm not called to ministry. I'm supposed to be in 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 a in a medical practice. That's my that's my thing. And they're like, mm, I don't know. Maybe you should pray about this. Again, to remind you at this time that my I was so focused on my academic journey that my spiritual journey was was in the air. You see, again, I went to the Pentecostal church. And I have a lot of respect for my Pentecostal friends and brothers and my church family. But there are questions that I had that weren't being answered. And I remember vividly being told that I had a rebellious spirit because I wanted to understand why I couldn't wear certain things or watch Transformers or do these things that were being told that you can't do those things because that's not of Jesus, right? If it ain't vegetales or this thing, and the other, you gotta throw it all out. I remember vividly throwing out Jurassic Park and like my Power Ranger stuff and being like. What does God, why does God hate dinosaurs? Like, that, that, what, what's wrong? I'm a kid, I, why I like dinosaurs? What are you talking about? And so I had left that, I didn't go to that church uh, when I got to college. I went to this non-denominational church with my friends, but eventually landed at Talwood Baptist Church where I would go there to worship with a friend of mine. And so by this time, uh, I was I did the rec team and I was at this Baptist church I was getting my questions answered. My professors were really gracious to me, and it it hit the the moment where I needed to make a decision, and I chose no. I'll, I'm going to stay in science. I'm going to give. I'm going to finish through. What was interesting is what I'm not telling you. But to, a lot of times when we talk about our story, we want to talk about the highlights. Well, what I will tell you is this, and I want to be transparent as possible, is that I had I had a pride about my GPA. I had a pride about how smart I was, and I actually. It was a pet peeve of mine when people talk to me like I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm talking about. And so when people would do that, I would quickly ask, what did you get on that last test? Or, hey, like, what's your GPA? Or, what are you doing right now? Oh, okay, great. Go to the library again. Like, go, go, go. And I would purposely throw it in people's face. And I had a mentor at the time, and he sat me down because that I had this pride about being educated. And he said, Alex, why do you want to be a doctor? I was like, I want to be a doctor because I want to help people. He goes, that's BS. Everybody wants to help people. Why do you want to be a doctor? And the truth was this. The reason why I got my education, the reason I wanted to be a doctor, was because deep down behind all the layers of thinking that I wanted to be so good, I wanted to go back to my side of town and to all the people that made fun of me, all the people that said things to me, all the people that treated me wrong, I wanted to go back to my, my hometown and say, look what I am now and where are you at? You see, a lot of times when we talk our story, we only wanna share the good things. This was the brokenness that was in my life. And this is why it's important that I encourage all young people to find a mentor. Because it took a mentor peeling away at the onion of my heart and saying, that's not a good reason to be a doctor. It's not a good reason for you to go into medicine so you can go back to where you came from and show it off in their face. Because that's, they're the ones that made fun of you. They're the ones that let you out. And I was like, no, you're right. He was like, so what are you gonna do? And me and my thick head, well, I'm gonna just finish my college career. I'm gonna get my medicine degree and I'm gonna give it to the Lord. How wrong I was that semester, I failed every single class except my Christianity class. I went from in the threes category to low twos in my GPA. No school would ever talk to me. I'm a senior. I'm a senior and I failed every single course. And I had the same professors, same study style, same everything. It was the most, I had phone calls from the dean thinking that I was depressed and that I was like wanting to take my life because I was doing so bad in my classes. And I was like, I'm not depressed. I don't know what's happening to me. Like every class that I take, I do it the same way I've always done it and I'm failing. And the only class that I passed that semester was my Christianity class and I'll never forget it. It was finals. And I studied for two weeks. I studied hard. I was like, I'm gonna ace this test like I've done it before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And I got to the class, I got to the test. I memorized everything on the study sheet. And I got to the test, and it was like I was reading hieroglyphics. Not one question on the test processed in my brain. And so I turned the page around and I wrote a letter. And I'll never forget it. Dr. Henderson is his name. I wrote a letter to Dr. Henderson. I was like, uh, Dr. Henderson, this is not a reflection on you. You've always been a great professor. You've always encouraged me. I don't know what's happening in my life right now, but I know some, I know this, that God is faithful and he's leading me. And though I might not be in science anymore, I want to thank you for the way you, you've led me. And right, I was like, well, it's funny, and then I sat there. I sat there, and the smartest girl in the class, she would always finish these tests, for some reason, like 15 minutes, where it would take us all 45 minutes, but she got up, she turned in her paper, and all of us were like, oh, well, classic, she's the smartest girl in the room. She really was. And I think she's a neurosurgeon now. Uh, and then I got up right after her, and everybody in the class was like, like <laughs> And so I turned in my test, and I shook his hand, and I was like, thank you for everything. Read the back to the test. I changed my degree to Christianity my senior year. Something you don't do. You don't change your major in your senior year. But this is the part that's beautiful. See, God redeems time. And God is faithful to those who walk in obedience. And I was disobedient at first. And I felt like I was disciplined at that time. And the fact that I didn't finish my science degree was an answer prayer to what my life's calling would be in the eyes of God. God allowed me to change my major. I was still at an amazing school. And lo and behold, I changed my major to Christianity, and I finished my Christianity degree in a year and a half. And then Houston Baptist had a program that just had launched where you could go from your undergrad straight to your master's degree. That's exactly what I did. I transferred straight into Houston Theological Seminary, where I got my seminary degree, where I got my master's. I was serving at Tallywood Baptist Church. And at the time, I was serving at Tallywood Baptist Church as their college intern. I knew I had a passion for college students. And then from that moment on, I had a mentor. He was a Reformed Baptist preacher. Reformed theology is Presbyterian theology. So when I graduated and I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to serve college students in the city of Houston. There was not one job offer. And so I asked the Lord, fine. I stayed here long enough to be with my mom because I'm a mama's boy. Big time mama's boy here. And I was like, it's, it's time for me to go. And so the first place I applied was at. Houston, uh, San Antonio First Baptist Church for uh, another position that they had open. That's the only one that I saw first. I was like, oh, let me apply there. And then I saw on Google Maps. I promise you, on Google Maps, I was like, oh, First Presbyterian Church. Well, let me click on that. Because, again, I had never set foot in a Presbyterian Church before at the time. I was just a Reformed Baptist. I was being trained in a Reformed Baptist. I looked, and what did they have? A the college associate position. Entry level. I applied, and a week later, I got a phone call from this church saying, hey, in a week, we wanna have a video interview with you. And I was like, sounds good, thank you so much. Appreciate it, look forward to it. I was like, oh man, this is so good. Called up my professor and my mentors. I was like, I was like, hey guys, you know, God bless you, how are you doing? They're like, Oh, did you find something? I was like, yes, I did. Uh, what's a Presbyterian? <laughs> That's the first question I asked. I was like, yeah, it's this great church. It seems like you guys, I looked at their values. What's a Presbyterian? And I had no idea. And uh, there, and my mentor looked at me and says, well, do you agree with everything I've been teaching you these, these past years? I was like, yeah, absolutely. He was like, congratulations. You're a Presbyterian. The only thing that you'll wrestle with is, is baptism. But your church that I'm looking at doesn't, it's not a hill to die on talking about baptism. It, it, it's, a, it's a conversation. So if God's calling you there, pray about it. And I did. And I had my video interview and for some reason I had felt called, even though I had a master's degree, this was an associate's level. And they told me from the jump that it was like, look, you're overqualified for this entry level spot. And I was like, I do not care. I want to be in ministry. I want to get my hands dirty and messy. And so I got here at the time I was dating, um, a lovely woman. Uh, she, for three and a half years, uh, and when we got here, I was like, man, I'm gonna buy an apartment for us. If I need it, cause so I'm gonna put a ring on it. Right. I'm gonna put a ring on it, but starting the family, this is a classic thing that everybody ever does. Right. And my mentor told us, cause she was also at my mentor's church said, look, three things are gonna happen. You either gonna, the, the distance from you being in Houston, from her being in Houston, and me being in San Antonio was gonna separate us. The distance would actually bring us closer together because we're gonna fight for each other, or the distance is gonna create so many issues that it'll manifest itself in our marriage. And we we looked at each other, I'll never forget, we looked at each other, oh, we're gonna be fine. We didn't even make it, I got here August 30th, we didn't even make it out out of October. God was very clear, like, hey, this is not your wife. And thanks be to God, she's doing well. And so that's my story of how I first got to First Presbyterian Church. And in my singleness, and in the season of my singleness, I've been able to see clearly what God is doing in this city, and I've been able to see clearly how this church has, uh, has grown me to the, to the man and the minister that I am today. And I'm excited for what's next to come because I'm inspired uh, by the people that have been here, the people that have served here, and, the, and the, the moments that I've had, the experiences that I've had here, knowing that I desire to serve God with the rest of my life. And it has been a beautiful, beautiful time. So I wrap up this whole tale with this. Remember how I talked about my story started with my parents and their parents, my dad, being born to a man that was a murderer, was a wanted man. For the longest time in my life, even into college, I identified with that—that that I had murderer's blood or most wanted blood. Or my dad would say that he he was a bad man running through my veins. And it wasn't until like I really understood and experienced Christ that I'm not defined by what had happened before through my grandfather. I'm not defined by my grandfather's actions. I'm defined by what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary, amen? And because of that blood that was shed, that's what I'm defined by. And I can look here and honestly in front of you all and tell you that thanks be to God, my parents are proudly serving the Lord. My sister is a missionary in Thailand. She married uh, her husband who's a youth pastor in Thailand and she has two beautiful daughters and she oversees nine orphanages that are plugged into that 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 uh that church in thailand she's a missionary out there my little brother also followed my footsteps Went to Houston Baptist university he's a youth pastor in sugarland texas uh leading uh leading uh high schoolers and middle schoolers and loving and serving them well and my parents never pushed us to go into ministry they just wanted us to get our education wanted us to be lawyers wanted us to be doctors wanted us to be professionals and for some reason god used my mom and my dad to push out three ministers. And they can honestly sit there and tell you that they had no idea that that's what they were doing. All my parents wanted to do was be faithful the moment they came to know Jesus. And that's part of my story, that I'm living a part of that legacy, that that baton has now been passed to me. And that's the weight that's on my heart, which is the reason why you hear me passionately speaking when I'm a traditional, which is the reason why you hear me passionately speaking in contemporary, which is the reason why I desire to pursue young people that are lost and broken and don't know where they're at in their lives. that's a little bit of my story, uh, and the best I tell my I tell my college students this to them, and so I'm just going to say this for myself, uh, and I say this for you too as you're sitting here as well. That the best part of your story is that God's not done yet, and I firmly believe that in my life too. The best part of my story is that God's not done yet, and I'm just grateful that First Pres is a part of that story. So, Amen.
1: I think you want to hear no, the if point. they had any questions, you know. Any um, questions yeah, for this guy? I hope, my hope and our desire, as we discussed having some of our staff come in, is that you would be able to see inside this heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we're doing this, because a lot of times on a Sunday morning, all you see is what you hear coming out of our mouths.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what we need to see is each other's hearts. And, and I hope that you've seen Alex's heart this, today. Um, it's been my pleasure to walk beside this guy. Every time he hugs me, I say, don't hurt me. <laughs> and and uh, it's, it's been a joy to serve together and looking forward to to many years ahead. Uh, although I know that, that God's gonna call him somewhere someday. And uh, maybe it's going to be right here, or maybe it's not. He's already called him here, uh, and I—I just—I love this guy, and I'm ex- excited to stand next to him. He's like the son I never had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Any questions for Alex? Yeah, please feel free to ask anything. Uh, uh, whether it's my faith walk from Pentecostal Baptist to Presbyterian, you know.
1: Well, anything you uh, with uh, young adults—is this just people, uh, in in this church, or is it San Antonio? I uh, is it extended out to other young
0: people. Amen. That's a great question. Yeah. So my job description, again, like, is about college students, and is about cultivating the college students that are in this church, and thanks But the the amazing part was that they gave me the freedom here at this church to reach out to where I need to, especially our relationship with Trinity. University. And so uh, since my time here, we not only are involved at Trinity University, we are now with involved with University of Incarnate Word and we've been involved with St. Phillips College right over here in the east side. And so what's beautiful about the ministry that I serve is that it's honestly year long. So we have covenant partners and uh, young people, young adults that uh, that are in college that uh, have gone away. Right. They'll go away to their universities, whether it's you know somewhere here in Texas or beyond and uh so when they leave for their college experience there are kids that move into san antonio because of theirs through trinity and uiw and so during the year i have my college students that are here that are not from here which is why we've had the initiative called adopt a college student because we want our college students that that are coming into the city that are moving away from their families to get an education to feel absolutely loved by our church Um, And then when the holidays come, like right now, where Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming, our college students that are here will leave back to their families and those that are away will come right on back. And so I have to be able to be here as well to love and serve those that have been baptized here and offer confirmation or just found First Presbyterian Church to be home. So uh, we reach out to those that are um, on the outside of our church and also those that are inside of our church as well. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: Are you any young people who are
0: not in college I'm in the workforce yes 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 so uh, when my my second year when I was here I needed to uh, have a moment where I stepped up to do both young adults and college students for a little while before Mitchell got here uh, I'm so grateful that Mitchell got here because it was a lot of work it was a lot of work uh, and so uh, yes so because I at the time I was 25 at the time when I first started and at that time I was 26 uh we had started our young adult program which we had a existing program but we started i started a new one along with four other young adults here at the church carter ray being one of them which has been a drummer here and has grown up in the church for a long long time Uh, hunter virtual was one of them as well and a few others and it started out with four in the student center uh, of a new wave of, of young adults in 2016. and after a year that four turned to 35 and then turned to 42, and then that's when Mitchell got here. And thanks be to God, Mitchell, I was able to hand that off back to Mitchell and say, like, hey, I love young adults, but I've taken us this far. Because, again, I'm still single. Thanks be to God. I, I can have the knowledge of knowing what God scripture says about dating or marriage or things like that, but I don't have the wisdom, right? I, I haven't walked through it. I don't have the experience. And so that's why it was a blessing that Mitchell got here. So, yeah, so I – and now that I'm – Ordained and stepping into this role, I, I'm going to have a little bit more of a hand on both overseeing college students and having them healthy, a healthy transition them into young adulthood uh, or emerging adults. That's what we call them. So, yeah, having a ton of fun, having a ton of fun doing it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then,
1: unfortunately, I am so far removed of my over. Is InterVarsity still on college campuses
0: or not? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, our, uh, our our biggest leaders in our church right now that are during the season are university students. And so we've had a long-lasting relationship with university for over six years. And so I partner with them a ton on campus. Uh, when FCA, when I found out FCA was in the city as well, I got involved with FCA. And a ministry that I was never a part of when I was younger was Young Life. Uh, but when i found out that young life was in the east side serving and loving those kids which this is part of my heart is uh is seeing those that are unseen so there are some area codes in our city so first of all a little demographic uh san antonio is the number one city where it has the biggest disparity in the shortest amount of space so you can go to zip codes and find from the most rich go two zip codes away and you'll find the most poor and what's interesting is that just those two zip codes away, one high school will have nine youth ministers, uh, people ministering to those kids, loving on those kids, finding ways to get them to campus and stuff. And you'll go two zip codes away and you'll have not one youth pastor serving another kid on another side of town. And so when I found out that Young Life was on the east side, I had never been a part of Life my entire life, but I said, I want to volunteer out there. And so... So for now, for the past five years, I've been involved with InterVarsity, Young Life, uh, Fellowship Efficient Athletes, and we've had two initiatives to bring us all together as a collective, which has been beautiful, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's all good. because I have a former student of ours that is a Chi do you know Chi Alpha is a organization that's out there in, at UTSA uh, and, and they're thriving out there. They haven't moved down to Trinity or UIW and there's multiple reasons why people like, they, they, they like where they're at. And so uh, there are multiple, the best part is this is that there are multiple ministries on different campuses that do different things. And so, you like for instance, I was a part of Baptist student ministries when I was at Houston Baptist University, classic mm-hmm. because it's a Baptist university so but i haven't found a baptist university downtown here but there is a bsm at utsa so it just depends on what campus you're at my intention is this is that i'm not here to wave the banner of like one organization over another my mission is about pointing college students to the cross pointing them to jesus christ and that's also been a part of my story is that i get so tired of people building their own kingdoms only being about their organization only being about just their church only being about just their pastor no like we're all on a mission and there's a real need to like meet young people where they're at and if if you're if you're pointing people to Jesus I'm about it so let's let's work together so